Hello, hello, and welcome to PS10 Radio. I am your host, Angelon. Today is a segment of Parent to Parent, and we have a special guest. Dr. Trina Copeland has returned to talk to us about helping our children navigate their identity. Stay tuned. So we are here today with our guest, Dr. Trina Copeland, and she's going to talk to us about helping our children navigate their identity. Welcome back, Dr. Trina. Hi, how are you today? Good. I'm doing well. Yourself? I am doing good. I'm doing good. Good. I thought that this was a great topic for us to talk about because when we talked back in the spring, that's when we kind of um, felt like this was a thing, like just talking about our kids and and then realizing that our kids have to act a certain way when they're in certain environments. And so that's when um, we kind of decided, yes, like, let's talk about this in a future segment. So I'm glad that you returned to talk about this. Absolutely. And can you explain to the listeners, like, what does that mean, navigating their identity? What are we talking about? Well, when I speak of um, navigating their identity, I'm speaking specifically to um, their cultural, race, ethnicity, identity, being African-American. As you expressed when we spoke before, um, just in one-on-one conversation, we were discussing the positives, but also the challenges that come with raising African-American children in communities that are predominantly white, Mm -hmm. them not being the majority. And so it's a matter of finding the balance between themselves and understanding that you are African-American and it looks like, or what are some of the challenges that can come with it. And so I think people don't realize that Um, children very early on are able to see the differences. And the example I'll give is my youngest child was about six years old and I was taking him to school and he looked up at me and he says, why are there so many of them? And I looked and I said, what do you mean? And he says, you know, so many of them. And I, again, didn't know what he was referencing. And he said, the peach ones, why are there so many peach ones? (laughs) And... I knew immediately at six years old, he could identify the differences. And I said to him, oh, honey, you mean um, your classmates and other family members? And he was like, yes, the peach ones. And it was cute, but it was also funny, but it was also um, clear to me that he could distinguish between the differences of race. And so I explained to him, that we lived in a community where there was a majority in his terms, peach people. And that um, we, and he was like the brown people. I said, yes, the brown people, we live in a population um, or an area where they're predominantly peach people. And I said, 
is that make sense? And he says, yes. And he was fine. He didn't need anything okay. else after that explanation. He just wanted to know why there were so many. And so I explained it to him. And then I went on to say to him, you know, you know how we have family. They're brown. I said, you know, the church that we go to, the people there are brown. And I said, you know how a lot of the activities we go to, they're brown people. And he said, yes. I said, because you are African-American. And he was like, okay. And I said, and here, because of where we live at, you will see more peach people and you may see other people too I said but the majority will be peach and he was like okay and this was again he's six years old and he was in kindergarten at the age of six and being in kindergarten um, he was an example of how early on children can identify the differences um, in their race and their cultural identity and so it was important at that time to be age appropriate with information with him but mm -hmm. more importantly, to then say, I can instill and discuss further um, the beauty of our culture, our heritage, our ethnicity. And so that conversation began to shift with him, with me introducing certain information at that stage. And so um, helping him to understand that just because you are not the majority in this community doesn't make you less than helping him to understand that there may be times where kids may, you know, have challenges with him because of just the way he looks and, you know, again, staying age appropriate with him because um, he thinks and making right. sure not to overwhelm him with information, but just kind of, yep, let's have this conversation. And so since then, you know, fast forward three years later, you know, he understands his cultural identity and being African-American he doesn't um, view himself as less than. He understands that there's more to our ethnicity and more about our heritage. Like he's learned all these different things because I've instilled, um, my husband and I, we've instilled these things in them by having different conversations with them at different points in time and celebrations as far as Kwanzaa and mm -hmm. um, Black History Month in February. And, you know, just participating in different activities that specifically um, address our ethnicity. And so that way, culturally, he understands his identity and he doesn't question who he is. He doesn't wonder who he is. It's, it's literally incorporated into how he develops as a person, as a boy um, being in this community. And so um, that's what I mean in reference to, you know, navigating and teaching, you know, a cultural identity to your child regardless of you know where they may or may not live mm -hmm. yeah and I, I do see like even with my daughter um she's my youngest so she's 12 now but when she was younger I had her in different activities where she was the only person of color and it's kind of like um I saw that in her, like she was asking questions saying she wished her hair was straight like theirs or, mm -hmm. you know, why can't she, you know, have that color hair or whatever the case may be. And we had to have those individual conversations, but I always made sure just like you are just making sure that, you know, this is, you know, part of our culture. We need to, we need to love ourselves. Like this mm -hmm. is beautiful about us. So mm -hmm. It really, it's taking some intentionality right. when we're parenting to be aware of, they need to be proud of their identity and who they are. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, it's funny, again, something as simple as the texture in hair 
is something that even they identify again with having boys they usually don't care as much about their presentation other than wearing athletic wear and you know just <laughs> to school but right. I remember um I think he was then may have been preschool kindergarten oh he was kindergarten he had a classmate who he now considers his best bud mm-hmm. they would uh rub each other's heads like their hair mm-hmm. and I immediately knew it was because of texture it was yeah the curiosity yeah curiosity and so it was funny and it was also again clear that kids see the differences it's just a matter Mm -hmm. of a parent how do you nurture that how do you develop that how do you respect those differences Mm -hmm. and you know help kids to understand that there's an element of of inclusion in that process as well and you know I think with children who may not grow up in a population where they are the majority specifically in a community where they're not the majority Mm -hmm. it's important as parents as you put it to be intentional about Mm -hmm. our children and the conversations that we have with our children, which again are all age appropriate and developmentally appropriate because I would not say things to him then that I would have said to, you know, him now. Okay. Yeah, well, I wanted to kind of ask you too, because, um, you know, how do we prepare our children? Well, not prepare, I guess once they experience a negative experience maybe in a community that is not you know that they are minority in mm-hmm. how do we like start that discussion with them about okay like especially if they are not aware self-aware already that okay this is because I'm black or you know how do we get into that without putting a bias in their head or mm-hmm. I think it's a matter of again age-appropriate information, how you discuss things with them and help them to process and understand. As a clinician, I think it's more most important to understand emotionally where they're at mm-hmm. to help them to process whatever feelings that they're having about whatever incident has taken place and experience has occurred. When we meet them there, it helps us to identify or clarify a bit more what is the issue that we should be discussing? So, you know, I think with, say, for instance, um, a middle schooler, uh, he's at school and say something is said negatively about the child, whether it's um, a a racial term being used or if it's just a statement of how they look or whatever that may be. It's a matter of first meeting that, that child and saying, you know, how are you feeling about what happened? You know, what are your thoughts? What are your feelings about the people who said it? You know, kind of hearing their take on that. And then once you get a better sense as to where they're at with things, you can introduce the conversation as needed with regards to there will be people, unfortunately, who won't like you because of, you know, how you look, meaning because you're Black. Or because you live here in this area and their view of you is built upon something that's false. And, you know, when that situation arises, you have that conversation accordingly for helping your child to process, you know, what took place, 
what they're feeling about what took place and then helping them to understand why sometimes there are people who do what they do. And again, you know, not saying everyone making a blanket statement, you just kind of indicate in that moment in time, there will be moments in time where you will encounter people who don't like you just because of how you look. And And they just won't accept you. And it's, and so that they, so our kids understand that it's not their fault. Mm -hmm. It's not something to do different. Right. They, that it is what it is and they can respect, okay, that's their opinion. Mm -hmm. And then to move on. Yeah. I think it is a matter of that. And then, you know, as a parent, um, especially if it's a situation that takes place within a school setting, then it turns to mm-hmm. a conversation with the administration right. of that building and saying, hey, this is what took place at your school on your watch with my child. Mm-hmm. We need to have a conversation about the community of this school with right. regards to what are you doing as an administrator to make sure that children are protected, that right. they are seen and viewed respectfully by their classmates. Because if this is, you know, more than one occurrence, then I'm now going to have a problem with this school. We are a group of people where our history is already fragmented because Mm -hmm. of our beginnings in this country. And so there's a value, I think, that comes with teaching our children these very important factors and historical markers in our history. And a lot of that can only be done in certain settings, which is why you have the Charles H. Wright Museum, which Mm -hmm. is why you have the Freedom Center in um, Cincinnati, Ohio. Like in every place you go to, there's some element of historical value that you should incorporate. You know, even with us going to Washington this year to get to the MLK uh, monument so my kids can mm-hmm. be exposed to that like there are all these wonderful things we even went right. to african-american smithsonian because i was like if i'm gonna be here i'm getting this i'm gonna see this i know oh my god that's wonderful those other components you're gonna see you're gonna learn you'll probably hear more about them but mm-hmm. these are the things that unfortunately sometimes you don't hear as much of and so it's it's my job as your parent and as a person who is identifying as african-american to teach you your history to make right. you understand your history, to understand your your identity, so that you can have a, 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 an appreciation of it, um, mm-hmm. and 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 an, and an awareness and a knowledge of who you are, so that no one can ever tell you who you are or try to debate you on who you want to be or where you came from or whatever. That I've yeah. given you the context for that. Mm-hmm. They can't limit you. They cannot. And I think that when you are a parent who's raising a child that is African-American, mm-hmm. it's it's important for you to go outside your community to go and find what you need for teaching your child. Because, you know, in those conversations I've had with people who have adopted Black children, um, sometimes they don't know where to start. Sometimes mm-hmm. they don't know where to go. Sometimes they're not sure of the resources. And, and you may hear of the big stuff, but sometimes you don't hear about the little things. And that's why I think it's important that when you are raising a child that's culturally different from you, that you invest the time and energy that's needed for them to know their history, for them to know right. who they are, because they're they're not going to be able to identify as anything else. So help them to understand what their identity is. And if that's mm-hmm. in the context, 
um, in historical context, and that's absolutely what you do. And, and developmentally, monthly, your child will incorporate those pieces into their lives and their understanding as they grow. You know, again, right. appropriate information <laughs> for teaching them. Yeah. But, because what they need to know when they're younger, it's, you know, small toddlers, preschoolers interacting, you know, at all, if you say anything about it at all in grade school is so much different than when they get in high school and they're out here working amongst, absolutely. you know, absolutely. I can definitely recall learning information in grade school, you know, growing up in Detroit, predominantly African-American. You know, for us, um, or for me at least, there was the, the incorporation of Black History Month. And right. that was every February. There was always a celebration. There was always artwork throughout the school. There was always some type of uh, concert or program that focused and addressed these issues and, and the history of us. And so because of where we live, I know that my children won't have that context. Okay, and yeah. It's my job as a parent to make sure that they get this information and it doesn't right. have to start or wait until they're much older when that conversation starts to happen in this district. But it really mm -hmm. is, is it starts in my home. And so when starts you get to a certain age, you're aware of this information. You've been taught this information. You understand the context of this information and you've visited sites, you've seen memorials, you've participated in activities. So no right. one can describe or create that, um, that experience for you because you've genuinely experienced it yourself. And so, you know, knowing that in grade school, we focused on say, for instance, Martin Luther King. Um, but then by the time I was in high school or in college, it was a totally different conversation. It was a different level that was given and there was a lot more depth to it right um yeah but I, I like the idea that you said to have our children kind of figure out like how are you feeling about what happened and then how do you think the other person feels when they said what they said yeah you know it's really a matter of checking in with your kid you know really really checking in with your kid and making sure they're in a good space but like I said after that the next step will be depending on the environment that it happens in. Is it happening? Mm -hmm. um, did it happen in a private environment? Did it happen in a school environment? Okay, well, then the school needs to be aware of what's taking place if they're not and, and understand what needs to be put in place for making sure kids feel safe in the school community. And then if it's in a private or school setting, sometimes it warrants a conversation with the parents of the other child. Because sometimes these situations may arise and if the school is not a part of it and they don't notify you, then it's up to you as a parent to be proactive and not confrontational, just proactive and making sure that all parties involved are aware of what took place and they're understanding what's happening. And, and more importantly, they understand the, the impact that it has upon their, you know, someone else's child. You know, your, your, your kid is doing something that is hurtful, is disrespectful, and you either hold your child accountable or my child will. Mm -hmm. Now, the question is, is at, at how, how far does that accountability go? You know, I, I had a conversation, you know, again, having boys, they mm -hmm. always are roughhousing and just aggressive and just, it's just the whole box of things that come with it. And so um, there were incidents or situations that continued to arise with one particular kid. And I said, look, I don't have a problem 
if at a certain point that if you've used your words and you said stop and you've reported it to someone of an adult figure and it still hasn't ceased, that if they in turn physically touch you again, mm-hmm. you have permission to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not in a manner that you do more than what they did. You match <laughs> what they did. Mm-hmm. So if this kid pushes you, you push back. If this right. kid punches, you and that, back. And it wasn't, a- it wasn't a lesson in teaching them to fight, but it was really a, it's a lesson in teaching them to defend themselves when defend the other yeah. steps you've taken, literally mm-hmm. the other steps you've taken, you follow the protocol, did not alleviate the problem. Right. Now I support you in your decision if it leads to a physical situation. And, you know, we had to reiterate with my son, like, look, don't go out here looking for a reason to fight with nobody. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is is it's okay to protect yourself. It's okay to um, defend yourself if this is what continues to happen. And so... Our children to be victims. We don't right. want them to be punching bags. Right. And you know, I I do work in the schools doing social work, and I do encourage my kids. I just say, you know, if you have a chance to walk away or mm-hmm. to, you know, tell someone you don't like that, do that. Do mm-hmm. that first. If someone has backed you in the corner and you're unable to get out of, or pushed you to the limit of where you can't take it anymore you do need to stand up for yourself either with your words Mm -hmm. or if you just have to just push them to the side so you can get through but and I also tell them if if it is an adult that hasn't has offended you that's when let let your mother know or let another adult in the building know that you have uh that you trust and that you think will have your back and Mm -hmm. if that person doesn't do it then do the next adult and then um, ultimately let the adults fight the adults but as far as kids you know you guys have to figure that out you know as far Mm -hmm. as you know let me go down the list walk away ignore (laughs) do the checklist did you do the checklist this is the last alternative like this is mm-hmm. the last thing and, and so your options then you have to defend yourself you cannot we I do not want you to be a punching bag you are right. not going to be a victim right absolutely and so I think it's important that when it comes to any child that you check in with them well what situation has um taken place and press allow for them to process so that it just kind of is able to be unburdened upon you as a parent to say, okay, I'm here to listen, not to get angry, not to ask a bunch of questions, just to listen and to hear what happened and to see where you're at with things. And I think for me, because of, you know, working in the mental health profession, you know, we have to tend to our, our kids and any other kids, social and emotional development, you know, there is that connection there and you, you can't avoid it. You can't disregard it. And more importantly, when you know that it can be an issue that's complicated because of um, racial factors, you definitely have to be proactive in saying, okay, let's process this. Let's be, you know, educate. Let's also, you know, what's the lesson that can be gained from this and not just to, I'm out here to, to burn it all down. No, let's just, let's go through this and see what do we need to do to make enough noise so that there is a change or that there is improvement in what needs to happen. You know, for some, they may say, well, you should live somewhere else or you should move. I mean, it's easier said than done. Mm-hmm. But the, essence, the, the, the answer. Yeah, it's not always the answer because the truth is, is 
if you think about all that we as African Americans have endured in this country, if there weren't certain people to speak up and to fight for certain rights, would we even have them now? No, we wouldn't be there. <laughs> and that's, that's what's challenging us now is that we're not, you know, we have our own internal struggles as a race as well. And I think that's what kind of holds us back. That's why it's very important. I agree with you. It's just to be in tune to our children's social emotional development. Development. They don't have to repeat our patterns. They don't have to fall into stereotypes. Mm-hmm. They don't have to, you know, fall into the expectations of another community or another culture. But um, I just think it just ultimately affects our child's place in society. We don't want to repeat the stereotypes or the patterns that. Um, on us in the past like right yeah that and the fact of in 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 you having a self-value appreciation or worth of yourself you know again when someone says black love and appreciation Mm -hmm. it doesn't negate the fact that other communities and other cultural groups are beautiful it doesn't change the fact that they are significant as well it just means that i i validate my own experience Again, right. not invalidating someone else's, but validating my own, mm-hmm. not in a manner that is going to be destructive or self-harming to others, because there is a difference mm-hmm. um, where there are those groupings where people may love them, their group of community so much that it's at the destruction of others. And that's, right. not that's the intent when, when teaching right. um, children to learn and to respect and value and appreciate their cultural identity you know it's funny my both of my sons when they were third graders had to do a cultural project for their mm-hmm. class and I thought that was really cool because they created um a board a poster board that had all the different components like whether where they were you know historically where your family came from and um the foods that would aid the language that was spoken sports mm-hmm. dress all these things and so yeah. My oldest, it was a little bit complicated because I was like, honey, we, I don't know where we're from. I don't know our cultural heritage. None of our family knows because of, again, the complicated beginnings of African-Americans in this country. And so we kind of just picked the country in Mm. Africa and ran with it. And we presented that information. And I was, I was disappointed because I couldn't give him a truth. I couldn't. Yes, it wasn't accurate. Right, accurate information, whereas all these other kids in his class, some who were African, some who uh, were Polish and Italian, and you know, they could pinpoint very specifically where their country, you know, country, mm-hmm. their family, their, and you know, I valued it, I appreciated it, and I made this intentional effort to say, you know what, when this other one does it, I'm going to make sure you know. And so I uh, ended yeah. up doing um, one of those DNA ancestry kits, yeah. and um, it came back with all these, all this information. And um, I loved it. Was it a hundred percent? Like, this is where you're from? No, but it definitely gave me a clear indicator as to what part of the country we came for, or which country we came from in Africa. And um, just from my swab that we have a large um, percentage that is Cameroon. Oh, wow. So for my youngest, when we did his project for third grade, we were able to put on the poster board Cameroon and oh. cultural facts for Cameroon and to 
identify the flag and the food and just all these things where I was like, that's I amazing. Felt, yeah, I felt, you know, a, a level of um, appreciation that came with just having a little bit more information. Mm-hmm. Is it 100% complete Cameroon? No, but it broke it down to the point where it's like, okay, this is a really good idea. This is, you know, the general consensus. This is the number percentage wise of, you know, your DNA. And I'm like, okay, this works. And so now, he says, you know, references, we're from Cameroon. I'm like, that's right. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, that, so- that's something we did not grow up with. <laughs> we just like, we just slay. Our grandmas was a slave. Right? You know, we just, you, you wow. Just know the context because of stories, you know, because yeah. American community, there's usually storytelling. And, and my grandmother told a lot of, one of my grandmothers, she told a lot of stories. So okay, collect information based on her stories, but we couldn't go we could only go so far and mm-hmm. so to do this, you know, DNA kit and just kind of say, hopefully it'll give us something, you know, it gave us a lot more than what I knew before. And so right. that made me happy. And I was like, I'm keeping this, make me pictures. Right. I'm screenshotting it and sending it to my parents. Like, look, look what I found. And this is, yeah, it's you know, fun. But, <laughs> right. But it was just this, this pride that came from knowing this is possibly where we you know, began or at least yeah, our origin. Right. And so for yeah. my youngest to now say, yeah, mom, you know, I was able to present this. And I told my oldest, I said, you know what? I'm sorry that I didn't have this information before, but at least it's mm-hmm. context. And so that instills a level of appreciation and a level of cultural, another layer of cultural identity in saying, we don't know the fullness, but we at least right little bit of the snapshot of the picture and this kind of helps with when we say for instance visit um historical museums or different Mm -hmm. um, you know classrooms or workshops where they're talking about these components I can say okay now I can have a better frame of reference it's not a complete disconnect it may not be everything but at least it gives me a better sense as to you know what this looks like and and what it what to expect with it so you know things that you know you you try to instill in your children so that there's an appreciation and pride of their identity and who they are and where they came from and also yes. where it to so <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly yeah I'm I mean I'm, you gave us some great tips here so I'm just gonna just knock them out for us so the first thing you kind of said was basically it starts at home and that we need to be proactive and intentional mm-hmm. and I definitely agree with that um, number two, you said to check in with your child, which I love that because if you don't know what your child has experienced, then you're not aware of how much more you need to share with them about, you know, things that are going on and how you can address their identity issues mm-hmm. and also be aware of the environment by which they might have ex- experienced some cultural disparity or just some questioning. They need to know if it's at school, then we need to talk about it further. If it's another place, then you know, okay, maybe that's not a good place for that child to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the next one, attend to the social emotional development needs of your child. So making sure that you're addressing it at their developmental level. And you're also making sure just checking in again, like, what are you feeling? 
And then five, validating your own experience without destroying or harming others. And I think that could go across the board from mom and dad down to the kid. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for Absolutely. the, <laughs> thank you for all of the insight and just bringing this forth to a conversation. And hopefully we can have a conversation as parents with each other and also try to figure incorporate our kids and their feelings and their thoughts around what they're experiencing, if anything at all, but just preparing them mm -hmm. for future experiences. Absolutely. We would like to thank Dr. Trina Copeland for coming on this episode of PS10 Radio in order to give us tips on how to help our children navigate their cultural identity. I hope our listeners enjoyed her insight. Please join us on the next episode of PS10 Radio. And as always, be the best you you can be one positive step at a time. Peace.